Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to the latest episode of Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Matt Peverell and I'm joined by my co-host as usual, Mark Davison. Mark, how's it going? Maddie, 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 Maddie. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 4-0. and Can you believe that? I certainly... Uh, I certainly can't believe that for how this year is how it's been, but the Steelers are sitting uh, atop the AFC North, and we're playing good football. A uh, few things we need to check, you know, check some balances we need to tick off. But overall, uh, as fans, we need we should be very happy for our team. That's it, Mark. I mean, four and zero. As I said last week, when we're three and zero, four games, four wins. That you know, that's about as much as anyone can expect there, and. You know, and it wasn't perfect last week, and we'll and we'll talk about that game against the Philadelphia Eagle, Eagles in a moment. But you know, it wasn't perfect. But the Steelers are finding ways to win, and that's what you need to get through a sixteen game season and make it through the postseason. So, yeah, looking forward to talking about that more on our show. But look, listeners, as always, we come to you fourteen hours ahead in the future. We're recording this on our Friday night. We come to you live on your Saturday morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is the second week where we're going to be having our two-part shows. So definitely stay with us for the first part, part one. Stick with us for part two as well. Um, but lots to get through on today's show. Before we crack into it though, Mark, as I said, it's been a big week in the NFL this week. Le'Veon Bell is probably the breaking news for most fans that they might have seen the headlines if not read too much about it. What are your thoughts about Lav Bell and the Jets' release? Yeah, so you know we had uh, the news yesterday, the breaking news that he was uh, he was got cut by the Jets, and they just didn't want any any bar of him um, at all. And even that that process of process of sending Le'Veon Bell to the Jets was kind of a bit funny one. Um, that team needs a lot of help. The Jets are in survival mode. Um, why would you cut Bell? We don't. You and I aren't the coach. We don't know. Um, but as we see today, uh, Bell lands with the the KC Chiefs and, and improves their offense and their team. Um, but how we, what we, we haven't seen Bell run the football really well or as Steelers fans for a long time. So will he play a, a big part in that, in that role? He's only, I think he's only on a, if you can correct me if I'm wrong on a, on a one year contract. Yeah. One year contract. Yeah, one year so, incentive laden. So with, with Bell leaving, we had a, you know, a few fans on the Facebook, uh, Facebook universe, one of our, Want a Bell back? Uh, me personally, I didn't want want Bell back. He he had a great time in Pittsburgh, some great runs. We had that Charger run when he just um, won the game and um, in the last play. But we don't need Bell. We've got Connor. We've got uh, Benny Snell. He's uh, playing good role for us. And McFarlane's doing doing really well. Uh, also playing a, a different kind of back. And we saw what Ray Ray can do and Claypool on the reverses. So we've got a good mix of players. Uh, team chemistry wise, we don't really need to bring bring Bell back in. Might have been like a, a AB situation. So yeah, but it's, it's big news. Like KC wants to improve their chances, and they they might want to you know hoist two Lombardis in a row. But well, we'll see. Well, I liked what you picked up on there though, Mark, and around the fact that we've got people like Ray Ray McLeod and you've got people like Chase Claypool as well, where we're bringing them in and doing some pretty, you know, what sometimes in previous seasons we might've called cutesy things at the line there, but, you know, bringing the Matt Canada in and, and what have you. So yeah, for me, 
I don't know why you would bring in Mr. Butt naked and robbed. I don't know why you'd bring him back into the Steelers. You can have a disruptive locker room um, if you bring him back in there. He, whilst it wasn't as bad as AB, you know, he left Steelers for a reason. You've also got a situation where he made a silly decision there. I mean, it's easy for us to all say that in hindsight now, but you really look at it, you know, we were coming, we were really getting into position with him as well, where he was looking at that, that Lombardi was coming um, and he chose money over a career. Um, and I, and I understand people have got to get paid. I understand the changes that the running backs have experienced in their contracts, but realistically, and, and look, I, I guess good on him. Um, he made 16 million in his time at Pittsburgh. He made 28 million while at, while at the jets, even though he sat out a year and missed 14 million, which is, you know, quite a, large portion of what's 16, 28, 42. So, you know, 14 million there over 42 is, you know, quite a big proportion that he's chosen to sit out with. So I, I think we now see is, is he going to be a journeyman? Is he going to have to go through a lot of different teams? I look at KC, great. He's got a great quarterback that can pass to him. He might become, you know, particularly in that, you know, middle part of the field, become a real option for them, like what sometimes Kamara or McCaffrey does, um, for the Panthers and the Saints. But if I look at a Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he's offering a lot for KC at the moment, even from their first game um, where he rushed for over 100 yards in his NFL debut. So, you know, I, I wonder. I must admit, I, I was joking with a colleague um, when it came out that had been released about whether he would actually go to the Bills or not. And we were, we were thinking back to, it was when T.O. went to the Bills and it was just like a whole, you know, reality TV show nightmare kind of thing. So, you know, uh, look, good on him. Good luck in the AFC. I think it says a lot that he has picked. He exclusively pretty much said he was going to an AFC team. Yeah. He's picked a team that the Steelers could face in the postseason as well, if we can get there and if we can go through a few weeks. So, um, yeah, look, but I can't wait till we do that because we've stopped, you know, we stopped Barkley, we stopped Johnson, we stopped Melbourne, Melbourne Gordon, you know, Apart from that long run, we had Miles Sanders last week. So, quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned, bring it on, Bell, and get stuffed in the backfield. Like exactly. Well, I don't think it was ever gonna, it was ever gonna work with the Jets. Like you know, I'm so I even put up one of my Steelers Nation Australia, give them a quick shout out. Love you guys down or down under in Australia. Love all the support I get. Uh, Maddie's part of that. We haven't met in person yet, um, but I love our little community we're building, and it's awesome that we can. Um, you know, to tell you guys about it in the States or Japan or wherever you guys are wherever, all over the world. Um, but we brought up, I brought up the other day, lucky we aren't Jets fans. They are, must be hurting at the moment. They're trading everyone. They, they can't win games. Uh, Sam Darnold is getting knocked over and then they get rid of Bell. But, but he could have been a rock a loom uh, uh, cancer, but we, we, we don't know. So, but you know, Chiefs are probably the best spot for him to go, but it would be interesting to see if we verse him in the playoffs and how amazing would that be if he come back to uh, Heinz field and, and DJ, what gets him off the edge? Well, and that's it, Mark. And it, it's, it's funny when we talk about it with the jets, because they're losing a heap of players at the moment. They're in a massive rebuild situation. Um, I think at running back though, to have someone like a Frank Gore there, you know, that seems to just be literally ageless. Like, can we, can we mean, give Frank Gore a shout out? I, he's one of my one of my favorite players, him and Fitzgerald. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I'm like he's third in the rushing. Come on, he's, he's he's number three in rushing yards. Like Frank Gore doesn't stop. I'd rather him right now as, as a as a Jets fan than Le'Veon Bell. Sorry, well, continue. 
Well, <laughs> no, no, no. I love it, Mark. I, I've got a lot of time for Fitzgerald as well. But all I was going to say was that I think for when you look at Frank Gore, I don't know how he's going to be able to walk when he retires. I mean, he might have to be like some sort of cyborg where he's got these metal legs. Maybe he's got them now. Maybe he's yeah. already a cyborg yeah. and he's like, and that's how he's continuing to play and it will come out and then everyone will get fined for allowing like unfair advantage or something like that. I don't know, but like it's, it's friggin' nuts. Like yeah. I cannot imagine it. Like, you know, um, but anyway, anyway, let's get into the Steelers. So look, before we get into looking a little bit at last week, which we always like to do each week, very much look at the previous game, what worked well, what didn't, and then obviously preview the game we've got coming up. But if we look through the week for the Steelers, the thing that's standing out to me, Mark, is David DeCastro went off in that game with the abdomen injury. He's been out now through Thursday's practice. Yeah. He still hasn't participated this week. Hard to see him playing, particularly he's had that knee earlier in the season as well. Um, how are you feeling with the idea that DeCastro may be out? So, so he's injured again for this game? Yeah, so at the moment, I think he, he will be missing this game. I think through two practices to be a do not practice at all. I mean, yes, he could technically come back on the Friday, but like the Friday practice, but I'm... Um, it's not looking good. And I, yeah. in the preview show that aired, um, obviously before our show airs, they were quite concerned and, and quite confident that he wouldn't be playing. Yeah, well, he's a big part of our offense. And actually, for this game coming up versus the, versus the Browns, this is going to be hard-nosed football. And we need some good blocking to keep Big Ben upright. So for our offensive line, um, to keep Big Ben up, it, we, need him, we need him there. We need someone of his caliber. And David's been there a long time, um, but I'm, I'm not sure. Like, if he if he can't play, well, maybe we, we have, to have, have to help him for the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I, I hope he can play. He's a, he's an awesome run blocker. Have you seen how how well we've been doing some on the reverses with, uh, um, you know, Claypool and uh, Ray Ray? We like he's been doing great coming off coming off the edge or swinging around. Well, yeah, and and but. We've also got a player that's standing up and he's a bit of a favorite for you and I as well. He's a big Steelers fan and he's a rookie and he didn't get to go to the draft. Um, sorry, you know, he didn't get to go to the combine. Um, Robert Hunt went outside him and, and they're from Louisiana Lafayette. But it's Kevin Dotson. And this week, according to um, PFF, you know, Kevin Dotson's the fifth rated offensive lineman in the league. I mean... Really? Yeah, so... You know, he's making a real difference and he got called and I'm glad it was brought, it was brought up on one of the shows this week by, um, I think Dave Schofield brought, might have brought, brought it up, but it might have been on one of the Scobro shows, but it was around the fact that Kevin Dotson got pulled for one of those penalties, but it was really that everyone fell back into pass coverage and he was like less than a yard away from the line of scrimmage and got done for this stupid penalty but we won't go into referees and penalties because I think yeah, I was just, just, just going to say that that game was an awful game for both sides um, flag wise, it didn't feel like the previous three games at all. It just felt like throw a, throw a fl- flag whenever you wanted to, basically, and then find out what it was later. Literally, literally, literally. And I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm just going to get uh, like frustrated <laughs> if we go any further <laughs> on that route. So, um, but but yeah. So look, for me, I'm a, I'm, I'm confident in Kevin Dotson. 
look, this week is going to be a massive challenge if he's there. Um, but you know what? He's a Steelers fan, fan by nature. He's grown up Steelers supporter. He takes pride in that jersey. He had that game ball that first that first game against the that Broncos where he started there. I can't wait to see it. I, I can't wait to see him. He takes, you know, protecting Big Ben really seriously. Can I ask you a question, Matt? How, how do you think uh, Big Ben is dissecting this, this offense? Do you, do you th- think um, he's helping out our offensive line and our receivers? Like the way that, you know, he's got 10 touchdowns, one interception, which was a duck egg. Um, how is he, you know, um, surveying the field, do you think? Well, that's a great question, Mark, because... If we look at Ben over the last however many years, when you go back to like Le'Veon Bell and you go back to what he's been doing, did with Connor before he got injured and what have you, there was a lot of throwing out of the backfield. Now, um, you know, some of the other BTSC contributors probably <laughs> might correct me on how wrong I might be with the stats and the snap counts here. But from what I'm seeing from, from an like observation perspective is that we're doing a lot of these swing arounds and we saw like the, the benefit that I had with Ray Ray McLeod. And we, we saw that early in the season with, um, you know, Deontay Johnson. We saw that with Claypool, obviously last week, we're doing things a bit differently. And what that that's doing is that second guessing that second, the defense is second guessing as a result of that equally, the run game has been incredibly solid and we've been shifting with different types of runners. You've seen people like McFarlane, players like McFarlane come in a little bit earlier than what you might expect. You've seen Snell and Connor divvy it up a little bit where then play it like, you know, other teams know that Connor can catch it as well. You've seen Samuels in there on the screens and he hasn't done a lot too often. But when you, going back to what you are saying there about Big Ben, I think his pocket presence this year has looked really elevated. We've seen a few rushes for him and what have you. So I wouldn't necessarily say that he is helping our offensive line or being a safety net for them when they really need to be a safety net for him. Mm. But I would agree with you that what he is doing is doing things differently. And equally, the, the speed at which he's getting the ball out and out of the pocket. You know, first three weeks, everyone was like, Ben, where's the deep ball? Maybe he's not, you know, as recovered as what we thought. Maybe he's never going to be able to throw the deep ball again. I don't think he's anywhere near what they, you know, what some fans are thinking around what Drew Brees is like, where he literally can't throw it more than 20 yards kind of thing. But yeah, I would say it's how Ben is using, using his offensive weapons that's supporting that offensive line. And it's creating mismatches. It's creating uncertainty, as I said there second guessing. Um, and quite frankly, where we talk about this pick your poison offense, yeah, it, it flows through the rest of the offense. It's not just about offering Ben targets. It offers the Steelers running backs opportunities to get open. It, it offers opportunities for the offensive line to do a few things creatively and differently. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, I, I feel I said this last week. I think it was when I commented. I think it might have been off the last week's post-game show. I said it in, I think it was the live chat. But what I'm enjoying this season, and I think it was beneficial, was Ben's had a year on the sideline. And it was actually said this week that Ben, before this year, didn't do a lot of studying of film. Um, or in the last few years, didn't do a lot of study of film early in his career. Now he does. I cannot tell you when we hear from other sports how beneficial a year on the sidelines can be. Of course we don't. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and advocate for what we had last year with Devlin and Rudolph and not having Ben. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But if there was any benefit 
Ben, with his maturity and 15, 16 years in the league, mm-hmm. has been able to sit there for a season, see it all happening from the sidelines and has come back in and you're seeing the tangibles. I can give a very great rugby league reference, but a lot of the listeners out there might not might not know about that one um, if I do do it. But I, I wouldn't discount what a year on the sidelines has done in terms of what he's been able to see in the game. So, but look, great question mark um, for me. But look, Let's get into looking at last week a little bit closer. What were your thoughts coming out of that game? My my first initial thoughts, uh, we, obviously, you know, we're we're recording uh, Friday night, and you're going you guys are gonna hear this Saturday morning, so we're almost a week into it. But my first initial thoughts was, uh, sorry, were secondary. Pull your socks up. Like, 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 how many times? Um, did our secondary, and this has been a, a common theme, but I reckon the last at least last three years, a uh, common theme that you know third and thirteen, third and fourteen, and they get a first down. You're like, how? How does that happen? We have great pass rush, and our secondary are not hanging on to the man or this miscommunication. Um, the amount of times our secondary with uh, Fitzpatrick doesn't wrap up in a tackle, Trey Edmonds blows the coverage, Mike Hilton blows the coverage. The, the touchdown of Fulgram in the end zone, there was no one on him. Like, these little things. And, yes, yes, like, we did win 4-0. And, you know, a lot of fans are like, oh, Mark, calm down. Like, you know, we're 4-0. It's fantastic. But my initial, initial thought, and I've calmed down a little bit over the week. You know, had, had a few beverages here and there. But, like, you can't let these players convert. And they've done it for so many years. Third and 13. Have you noticed that? Yeah, 100%. And... Look, I agree with you. We, we, we didn't take that they were 4-0. But, I mean, Fulgram. I mean, honestly, like, come on, guys. Like, he was the only thing doing, like, only player on their offense doing anything. Like, literally anything. I mean, look, credit Miles Sanders. And you know what? I'm going to take it. You know, I told you so moment for Matt. I told you, I told you, I told everyone last week on the show <laughs> that Miles Sanders had to be stopped out of the backfield, that he could mm. break one, that he'd had a long play the week before. Uh, um, the, the refs helped him though on that one big long, you know, that play. Sure. They, they did. They did. But the reality was, was that Fulgram did most of, most of everything there. The Steelers did a good job of shutting down Ertz, you know, and what have you. But I mean, the Steelers have let in. 950 passing yards in three games, you know, and yes, we're trying to stifle the run and we've been trying to make, you know, average quarterbacks, you know, throw the football and look for those interceptions. And yes, we've got, you know, quite a good rate of interceptions at the moment, but like the secondary have to step up. We, because what, what, you know, what's going to happen when we, we start versing teams that don't have a good running core that are ready to throw the football and, you know, we're going to talk about that a lot in this show when we come to this week. But- it's it's so weird though, Matt, because why the Steelers play so hard first down? You get a good uh, you know run for a loss. Second down, they get a um, uh, pass deflection. Third down, they just seem to relax. Like we, we are that Steelers mentality of bend, don't break. But how far can you really bend it? Like if it's third and 14, like you're not meant to win that, that down. You know, get off the field. Right now, we're letting opponents convert fifty percent of their third downs. I mean, is that that true? That is true. That, oh. off, according to Pro Football Reference, right in front of me right now. But the thing for me is, 
if we're supposed to be an elite defense, there is no way we're playing elite defense at the moment. I'm sorry. And look, I know that we, there's a lot of talk about sacrifice in the secondary and, and what have you, but you know, the question this week, this week will tell a lot. The next few weeks will tell a lot about where the Steelers are actually situated. Um, the other thing is, you know, we look at someone like a Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, and I know I believe um, by the time you will have heard our podcast, there may be an article out about this on BTSC about what Fitzpatrick's been doing. And I know Tomlin addressed it about the fact that Fitzpatrick and Bush having just as good a season as they did last year, they're doing different things and that, and that, you know, Minka in the backfield there is being asked to do different things and is, you know, quite scary for the quarterbacks and he's trying to play this intellectual matchup and all the rest of it. There's a casual fan out there. You, you sit there and you're like, well, hang on. At what point is he going to turn on? And B, as the pressure starts ramping up when he hasn't got turnovers, is he going to crumble? He's only had, you know, a year and, you know, a year and a bit's experience in the league. So what are we going to get out of that? You know, and at the end of the day, we all touted, they traded a first round draft pick for him. And everyone said when, you know, the draft came out and the Steelers pick that they would have had at 18 or whatever it was came out. Everyone was like, well, no, we've selected Mika Fitzpatrick. If it was a first round draft pick and we're at week five and we hadn't seen a turnover yet from him at a free safety position drafted that highly, we would all be sitting there going, when's he going to perform? The same judgment has to be given now. So I'm more conscious of how is Minka going to come back into the game and, and how is that from a confidence perspective? However, I would say with Minka, that's quite interesting is that he was well on pace when I had a look before we, before we went on Airmark. He was well on pace with some of his tackles to previous years. So like to last year when he was doing, so whilst he hasn't had that turnover, if you look at where he's sitting at from like a, a tackle perspective, you know, he had, he had, you know, what was it? 16, 69 tackles combined last year and he's already on his way to 17 you know he's had a lot more solo tackles not yet had a tackle for a loss but you know he he's doing a lot in defense do, do you think that uh minka is, is taking away um the, the deep ball because a lot of times all right what i see with with uh with minka is you know he, he's not making that decision to come down and, and make the tackle like fast enough or he looks a bit confused in, in certain areas he's not taking away interceptions he just seems to be playing that real um you know back safety and they're not not completing those passes like is he is it all part of the scheme or is there something else into it well look you know and i'll leave the, the like a lot of the x's and o's to to you know to contributors like you know jeffrey benedict and kt smith and what have you it would make sense though what you're saying there if we're going to stifle the run and pressure the quarterback the only thing they're going to have to start doing if you're committing that much is throwing a long ball you know throwing a deep pass so if you've got someone like a minka sitting back there you're like well hang on a second so then you have to rely on throwing it in the middle of the field and that's you know that provides its own challenges you've got a player like a devon bush if he sits back in that coverage or you've got someone that comes down in you know into that middle area of the field but i think for me and I would be curious to see going back and having a bit of a, a deeper dive. And, and, you know, that's what I might do between now and then our next couple of shows, but is Minka came in last year and was basically told, just play your natural game. Don't worry so much about the defensive scheme and playbook, play your natural game, be a bit free roaming the rest of it. And we saw what that did. Now, 
he, when, if we all remember back to when he left the Dolphins, he left and he didn't want to play strong safety. He didn't want to play Swiss Army in our positions, whatever. I said at a time in an article that I wrote, which kind of got called out by, by Jeff this week about comparing him to Ed Reed, what I was comparing is potential. I wasn't comparing, you know, his career to date to Ed Reed's full career. But if you look at that, he left the Dolphins. I think he left the Dolphins because he didn't like their, their culture and where they were going and, you know, not necessarily, you know, wanting to go out there and win. And, and when the Steelers came and traded for him, I think that's what he, that's what he wanted. But, I would like to see as we go through this season, at what point are we going to allow him to do a bit more free roaming? At what point are we going to allow him to move through different positions? Because the Steelers have several players that can, that can play that, that deep position as well. So I'm, you know, you've got flexibility in your Cameron Sutton's, you know, you could have some versatility in your Steven Nelson's potentially even, you know, there's, there, there are some options there about what you can do in that, in that deep area of the field. So it's going to be interesting, but at the same time, you can't discount what I said earlier, where we've played average quarterbacks or not elite quarterbacks. So Minka hasn't had to like. If the Steelers have probably gone, they're going to taken the punt to use what we like to say and gone. Let them throw the deep ball and let's see how they go. They're not going to want to, and those those quarterbacks are going to be intimidated. And maybe that's what Tomlin's thinking about when he's saying intellectual football. Yeah, well, it's a good problem to have at this point, but it is, you know, something that a lot of fans wanted to bring up this week because we had that 17-point 17, uh, 17 lead and then all of a sudden, Fulgram, no one ever heard of him before and he come out and started swinging. But yeah, it's a good problem to have. If Minkus is playing that base, that kind of like, here I am, I'm just, you know, make sure nothing big happens. Uh, and then they might let him loose in certain games. But like like you as well, I, I'm not an ex nose guy. I just I love the game and... You know, here and there, I, I try and to watch... When I watch the game again on replay, I try and watch a certain position or the player. But, you know, if Minka turns up this week and picks off Baker for six, I, you know, we all go... Ah, and then, then, then what? you know, we talk about how great it is. So, uh, it's a funny thing. But just the secondary, I think, needs to have a bit more menace to them, a bit more grunt, a bit more, you know, a bit more in their face, you know, because we've played some two, two big... Uh, receivers and Landry and uh, Odell Beckham uh, and big. I don't mean he's big. I mean his ego is big, but you, you know what I mean. Like it's yeah. see how we go from it. Totally, totally. Now it would be absolutely positively remiss, memory loss, moment of you know slip up, brain fade here if we did not talk about Chase Claypool. What a performance, um, and. You know, Mark, I, my punt of the week last week was that Ben would throw four TDs. Your your punt of the week was that you'd get that the Steelers would get five sacks, which they got. But Ben kind of handed the ball over to Clay, handed the ball off to Claypool to get that fourth <laughs> rushing TD. Like, was that really a pass? It kind of could be a pass if you looked at it from physics. So, why it should be three two to Mark? I reckon it's three three. What do you reckon, Mark? Uh, I'm not too sure, man. Did he was it the one of the you know the Mahomes passes where they give him like a pass for a yard in front, or was it? It was a handback, right? It was a handoff, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I tried and failed. There was my yeah. third down conversion. Well, didn't work. Some, some of those things I think need to be addressed in the NFL. Like you can get a how can you get a touchdown pass for for pushing it like you know a medicine ball in front of someone and they collect it and run in the end zone like. That, like, and Mahomes does it all the time. And I've seen Brady do it about a thousand times. It's just like, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I think that this week I'm lucky I got five because I only got three in the last, I think, quarter. Uh, I'm with three at three and two and two and three. It's going to now be a good mix. I've got a, I got a good little, near the end of the, end of the uh, second part, I've got a good little idea where you can probably catch up because it probably won't happen, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Awesome. Awesome. Um, but yeah, going, look, going back to Claypool, what a performance. Um, very selfless player, I think, as well. He's not going me, 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 me. You heard him throughout the off-season. Like, I mean, you know, in the training camps, we heard numerous players and Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin and, you know, Ben himself, how good Chase Claypool, you know, was performing. But, I mean, four touchdowns, that was just incredible. But you know what? Stuff the, stuff the Eagles. That's your fault. You want to leave someone open like that. And we talk about pick your poison. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd, I remember when we talked post the the Broncos game after he scored that long range touchdown. And I remember saying he needs to be, I remember saying to you, you know, on the show, like, and outside, and like before we went on the, on air for that, that podcast, I remember saying to you, they now have to consider Claypool. Well, my gosh, after last week, what are they got to consider now? Well, that, that's exactly right. Because even with, you know, this, the secondary woes that, that we've both brought up. Did you see one of those those touch? Might have been his last touchdown that he was wide open. He he went right past the uh, the linebacker uh, and and scored a touchdown. And then the Eagles players were like, "Well, I didn't have him. Did you have him? I didn't have him. You know, what's for breakfast? They didn't know what was going on." Um, I would like to bring up though one one little key point. I I like how how they're letting Claypool get the ball on those screens. But did you see the blocking? I want to give a big shout out to Trey Edmonds. Eric Ebron, and I think Connor was in one of them too. They're blocking fantastic for this guy. They, they're putting a hat in a hat, and Claypool just runs it in. Well, 100%, but I mean, 4'4 four, four, four speed, 6'4, 235 pounds. I mean, the man is a mountain. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, you know, and people are after two games, like, oh, Mapletron's a big name for him, da 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 da. That was a Mapletron performance. And quite frankly, that one that he. It was so funny. I um I literally pressed pause to quickly run to the bathroom when I when he scored the um scored that fourth touchdown. But you know, after they'd called that penalty on the other one, I thought, you know what, fair enough. You know, he almost had five touchdowns on the day, but he certainly deserved the four. So, you know, massive performance. Obviously he's just basically thrashed most fans, you know, over and unders for the season about what they thought yeah. he could what they thought he could do. But um yeah, wow, uh, it, it's awesome. And, you know, I think there was a lot of talk early in the season whether he would be able to play that role that Plaxio Burris used to play, you know, for Ben, um, particularly in the red zone. It's funny with Claypool. We've seen him do a lot more in the, you know, you know, in the earlier downs, you know, and, and much closer to the Steelers' own, own end zone. We've seen him do a lot more. We haven't had to rely on him in this end zone per se yet. But... I mean, my gosh, when you've got an Eric Ebon, a Vance McDonald, a Chase Claypool, a Juju, you know, and then you can throw a speeder, in, you know, a speedster in there as well. You've got height, you've got speed, you've got catch, you know, catching skills. It's, or receiving skills, if you like. It's, yeah, it's, it's just weapons everywhere. Well, I was just going to say, like, I was just going to ask you, how much is this open up the offense? And you pretty much just said it. Like, you've got, still got G, Juju Washington. This offense is, and all, we forgot about uh, DJ. Uh, little B's been a bit injured, and uh, you know he's been a bit back and forth. And I think I think if we can touch into this a little bit, uh, I, I feel like DJ. Do you think Do you think DJ is trying a little bit too hard to advance the ball? Like he's got he's got natural gifts, but it seems in some certain plays he 
He wanted to go back around the corner. He wanted to, you know, extend the play or try a little bit too hard than he needs to. Look, that's a great question, Mark. It's something that, um, you know, we see a lot over here in, in Australia with sport like rugby league, which has had a few players um, step over into the NFL or, or try and give it a crack. It's, it's a funny one because you've got a speedster and someone with agility like Deontay, but at the same time, the end zone is not to your left or your right. You know, it's going to be straight down, you know, straight down the field. So I'm not, I'm not going to go north or south there because well, it, on the perspective of that football field, but at the end of the day, you've got to go straight to get to the end zone. Yeah. So sometimes I sit there and I'm like, well, are you, when I'm watching it, it's like, well, are you trying to be too cute? Are you trying to do too much? As you say there, having said that, we did. We have seen some. We did see a couple of plays last year where he did do a bit of a switcheroo, and then the next thing you know, he's he's off running into space. So, what I think with Deontay is, look, I'm not the end arounds and and those sorts of things and those sweet plays, great for him. And now that you've seen Ray Ray do it as well, gosh, could you imagine just putting the two of them there just to cause confusion? You know, it, it would be awesome, but. The, the way I see it with Deontay is that I think he had such a good year last year. A lot of people rode really, really high on, on him. And you know what? He's had a couple of tough games, but he's in his second year. He's got mm-hmm. speed and it's been pick your poison anyway. So I'm not, I, I wouldn't, if there's still fans out there that are a bit concerned about what he's doing or trying too hard or whatever, let's see how he goes continuing because he will get opportunities to step up. But Talking about opportunities to step up, we'll be focusing on that, you know, massively in our part part two of this week's show. I'm going to take a quick quick break for all the listeners out there. Please stay with us for part two. We'll be previewing the Browns game, going through our general punts of the week as we always do. We'll be slinging the slang just as Ben keeps slinging the rock. Ten touchdowns, only one interception. But with that, we'll be back after the break. <laughs> 